Volume Two, Chapter Eleven of Mrs. Armitage or Female Domination by Mrs. Gore. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Helen Taylor. Chapter Eleven. Come on then, satire, general, unconfined, spread thy broad wing and souse on all the kind. I fain would please you if I knew with what. Tell me which name is lawful game which not must great offenders once escaped the crown like royal hearts be never more run down admit your law to spare the knight requires as beasts of nature we may hunt the squires pope how wrong i am even to set foot in spalding court cried lord greta to his friend armitage usurping a place in the armchair of arthur's dressing-room when they all retired for the night the sight of these hollow frivolous people puts me on such wickedly good terms with myself for a whole month afterwards after all they are entertaining enough replied arthur who had been passing an unusually agreeable evening pleasant but wrong yes and so are dancing dogs if one had patience and leisure to admire their antics i unfortunately have leisure for anything said arthur a double reason for making me regret to see you in the way of being attracted by these foolish people i have been puzzling myself for three days past to find out the duchess's motive for inviting you here don't be affronted i mean no offence to your dignity i know that i am asked on the remote chance of my falling in love with one of the daughters just as they were civil to my mother a few months ago by way of making up to laura for that vivacious member of the community lord leicester but you are married and if single not very likely to attract the manoeuvres of a matchmaker said arthur despondingly what then can they want of you continued lord greta the pleasure of your society by no means the duchess would infinitely prefer and can at all times command any one of the fifty dining-out men about town who travel during the sporting season from house to house with their little notebooks of impromptu clevernesses in their portmanteau i wish i could make it out i shall hardly like to leave you in yorkshire arthur while i am on the moors exposed to all the fascination of these glistening reptiles fie fie you use hard words applied to hard natures i look upon such a woman as the duchess as a public pest a better meaning person than the duke of spalding does not exist full of integrity and honest feeling and such a man has been lost to himself and the country from being wrecked in marriage against an iceberg broke loose a woman without principle or feeling any man inclined to commit matrimony on a short acquaintance ought to look upon the duke of spalding and take warning but my dear fellow i am in no danger on that score you need not be afraid of her grace engaging me to one of her daughters no but i may suspect her of an intention of engaging you to one of her party you are known to be a young member a lukewarm politician you are accused and pardon me with some cause of trifling away your life as chance impels you 
otherwise that machiavel in petticoats lady emily mclaren would not have ventured to make so bold a cast for you as she made to-night had she intended to entangle a more experienced adversary she would have commenced her operations craftily remotely secretly but her rashness will be your redemption even you who are too idle to open both your eyes to aid you in walking through the world cannot but perceive with one that her ladyship's objects is your voice and vote indeed i perceive no such thing said arthur laughing but nettled you budding statesman my dear greta whose first beard sprouted white and whose precocious wisdom is to enable england to weather the storm fancy like the little mole in the fable that you hear the sound of ten thousand water-mills where mill-stream there is none i make no boast of my political wisdom yet upon my life i suspect i have that which is better to be depended upon mine are family politics which i can no more change than my family name yours on the contrary are open to the influence of argument your views might be changed by the smiles or the eloquence of a lady emily mclaren i should simply reply to them my name is armitage on yorkshire wolds my mother feeds her flock whose constant care is to increase her votes and keep her only son myself a whig if you have nothing more convincing to urge in your own defence better join our party to the moors and keep yourself out of the way of mischief join your party i wish i could but i have married a wife you know and therefore i nonsense do you suppose that when i marry i shall give up grouse shooting no because you will have the means of leaving your wife in a happy home of her own while i must abandon mine to the caprices of a person far from favourably disposed towards her perhaps you are right said greta remembering on how many occasions he had been pained by the deportment of mrs armytage even towards her own faultless daughter yet i am not the more reconciled to leaving you in the midst of a set of intrigantes no great mischief can be done in a week and even lady emily's audacity would scarcely pursue the attack amidst the sober formalities of holywell ne gagez pas at all events i shall be too busy to be vulnerable busy with what pheasant shooting no i have more rational occupation in view to which as you appear to be in thersites vein i will not now call your attention do pray i am quite serious now said lord greta earnestly well then i am beginning to be as tired of my good-for-nothingness as you can be of seeing me good-for-nothing i want an object in life or strength of mind to exist without one i feel that i ought to improve myself that some day or other more will be required of me than i am capable of rendering you were studying at eton at oxford while i was driving tandems and as i did not choose to be a schoolboy in my days of schoolboyism i must become one now when i ought to be fulfilling the duties of a man it is not too late my excellent friend grant who will not laugh at me as you are probably dying to do has often urged me to do this and will help me without making a boast or a bore of his assistance laugh at you said lord greta feelingly laugh at me if you like 
for having been afraid of a coquette such as lady emily when your plans were so differently directed you have set my mind at ease and now good-night or your wife with all her good-nature will tear her papillotes for spite at being kept awake by my grumbling the following day shone brilliantly upon spalding court the diversion originally offered as a temptation to lord greta and his friends of a trolling party on the lake although somewhat deteriorated to the sportsman by the brilliancy of the weather derived new attractions when in the course of the afternoon the skiff reserved for the use of the ladies was seen scudding towards the point of the shore along which the gallant anglers were dispersed youth at the prow and lord wyndham spalding at the helm one or two among whom were arthur and his friend tired of indifferent sport begged to be admitted to the sailing party and after sufficient enjoyment of refreshing breeze adding new attractions to the beautiful and even majestic scenery around they anchored on a well-wooded islet where the duchess in a fit of walter scottish enthusiasm had some years before erected a bower on the model of the exiled douglas's retreat at loch catrin it was a lodge of ample size but strange of structure and device of such materials as around the workman's hand had readiest found lopped of their boughs their hoar trunks bared and by the hatchet rudely squared to give the walls their destined height the sturdy oak and ash unite while moss and clay and leaves combined to fence each crevice from the wind the lighter pine-trees overhead their slender length for rafters spread and withered heath and rushes dry supplied a russet canopy due westward fronting to the green a rural portico was seen aloft on native pillars borne of mountain fir with bark unshorn neither lady of the lake nor stalwart baron however was visible on the present occasion but in their stead a maitre d'hotel and two prosaic commonplace standard footmen presiding over a collation which by her grace's orders had been considerately transported to the spot and in lieu of the clang of falling armour the clattering of knives and forks and detonating corks of eye and sillery were shortly heard upon the spot lady marscourt always alive to occasions for bringing forward the modest merits of simplicity in a muslin frock had devised in her turn a surprise for the party purporting to be agreeable by stationing her dear penelope in the portico to delight them with the appropriate strain of huntsman rest and while to her lips in measured frame the minstrel verse spontaneous came the french horns which at a distance had accompanied the party stationed among the high waving fern and golden broom unseen filled up the symphonies between to marian all this had the charm of enchantment her delicate senses had not been from infancy satiated like those of most of her present companions by sights and sounds of beauty the limited and city-bounded sphere of her enjoyments had left her feelings free for every glorious impression derivable from contemplation of the beauties of nature and in a scene so lovely 
with a cheerful party of conciliatory friends including arthur among the number she began to feel herself in a new and happier world lady emily mclaren insisted on hearing from winsome win one of those lively french chansons de société for giving point to the finesses of which the gay parisian was so celebrated and as monsieur de Claramel was as usual at home tete-a-tete with his flute styled by the spaldings his flauto tragico no one's vanity was wounded and the little fate went off as buoyantly as if love and all the world were young more sailing a last visit to lord edward and his brothers of the angle passed away the times till the cool of the evening when the gong was heard on the lawn warning the stragglers of the party home to prepare for dinner and at dinner new guests with the arrival of lord leicester from town served to vary the scene of the preceding day and who did you leave in london inquired lady emily of the dandy passive whose grave countenance was bent over his soup-plate as steadily as that of narcissus over his stream nobody was the taciturn reply and what was nobody doing to amuse itself she persisted nothing going of course nowhere eh my dear fellow inquired lord edward brereton who was too light-hearted to be paralysed even by the inanity of an ineffable where should people go in august unless it's to the moors said young dumbarton as earnestly as if really seeking information when i quitted town observed lord greta there appeared to be a very pleasant society remaining and as to going i never saw a more locomotive set every day some party to richmond norwood or kew wood yes i remember hearing several of our club allude to persecutions of that kind they had escaped the dowager duchess for instance had a serious exploring party de campagne to the cemetery at kensal green said lord leicester one of the most beautiful spots in the environs of london said lord greta unsilenced by his impertinence and i was assured that lady baynard and her noisy daughters deluded several unguarded individuals into a tadpole dinner at blackwall i was there resumed his lordship a remarkably pleasant set and an admirable fish dinner arranged by the web-footed chef of the dutch ambassador ah indeed that must have been worth tasting du cabillot of course not au bleu as at the rocher but à l'orange and oceans of water zoya enough to cover the dog-a-bank eh greta could you not give our people a hint for rendering palatable some of those splendid brochets which you are so fortunate as to land this morning cried lord wyndham i am as bad a cook as a fisherman replied lord greta and a worse critic than either i only know that i found the baynard's party the pleasantest of the season i fancy you foreign officials as well as we life guardsmen grow accustomed to swallowing the dregs of the season said lord edward laughing i swear i saw just before i left town some of our fellows flirting into the same window of the same carriage crawling along the same line of the same ring with the same horses at the same pace that i had watched them at the same hour at the same fun 
every day from the close of the hunting season and i suspect saying precisely the same sweet things for they were received with precisely the same sweet smile as for five months past what is there but sameness in your london routine cried lord wyndham c'est d'une monotonie à faire geler le vesuve now at paris we have for all seasons and their change ay even for the demi-saison a variation of promenades reason good answered lady emily you who never stir two leagues from the capital who take the waters of enghien by way of spa find your swiss valleys at montmorency hunt and shoot in the forests of vincennes versailles and saint-germain and make even your new market in the champ de mar and your steeple-chases along the avenues of the bois de boulogne you are forced to find mountains in molehills and search for the picturesque in the banlieue respect our motives for remaining stationary my dear lady emily respect our motives replied wyndham a little piqued and well aware of the factitious nature of a considerable portion of the little beauty's charms we fix ourselves at paris because the lovely creatures who render its coteries so attractive cannot travel the better half of a parisienne lives in her carton and in carton too numerous for even the most accommodating of hobson's travelling carriages the gown the cap the beret the hat the turban might perhaps be transported and all the glories of mesdames Oudot and beudron render some obscure chateau a paradise of coquettes but still the dear creature dares not quit her coiffure her dentist the artistes who par abonnement preside over the paring of her nails and the extraction of every grey hair the rumpling of a dress the discomposure of a feather in her tambour distracts her so that in order to keep her temper and her lover she wisely plants herself in her delicious hotel entre cour et jardin for at least ten months of the twelve and we of necessity remain at her feet it appeared to me added arthur armytage not understanding his friend's malicious motives for misrepresentation that paris was quite as much deserted at the close of the summer as london the heat the glare and fine dust of the unwatered roads of its plaster soil rendering it far more insupportable i admit that the country life of the parisians is merely the villa life of our beau monde and their villa life is pour tout potage they content themselves with remaining within a drive of the opera and care not to go farther at the risk of faring worse why who could fix his residence in that most desolate and solitary of barns a comfortless french chateau cried lord greta the habits of the nation are distinctly averse from country domestication and for the last century it has been the policy of its rulers to concentrate the twin aristocracy of birth and wealth in the metropolis just as it is the wisdom of ours to promote their dissemination over the face of the kingdom the peers of france and even its lower chamber know little more of the country they govern than can be learned from a post-map while our english legislature whether hereditary or elective find their own interest 
in watching over and promoting the improvements of even the remotest county the most obscure parish the mass is held together by the closest and most intermingled series of personal ties the duke of wetherby and the automaton generally understood to be mr mclaren assumed a polite look of conviction and bowed assent the duke of spalding secretly wondered that a discreet young man should throw away so much wisdom at such a table as his the duchess whispered something audibly to lady marscourt about first-rate talent most rising young man of the day and lady amabel made mouths across the table at lord edward brierton none of them thought or cared for monsieur de Claramel's feelings but their egotism was of small importance little simplicity in a muslin frock in order to secure them from mortification had been engrossing the flute-player in unintermitting argumentation on the immorality of ancelot's dramas and the novels of monsieur de balzac when do you return to this beloved paris and will you undertake a commission for me inquired lady emily in a peacemaking tone of lord wyndham the first coup d'archet of the italien is always my signal for setting up my tent in the rue de provence he replied i shall quit yorkshire immediately after doncaster till then i am here and at your commands better come with us to the moors cried lord edward who for noise and movement's sake would willingly have included the whole travellers club in his party now leicester is arrived you are no longer wanted at home lord leicester is so great an acquisition ejaculated lady emily but the dandy passive heeded her not he was mincing a chilli into his lobster salad i understand our castle of glenvarloch is as vast and rambling as a languedoc chateau said lord greta we have room even for your italian valet my dear wyndham who is by far the greatest man of my acquaintance tempt not a falling man too far exclaimed his lordship aloud adding in a low voice swear you can't do without me swear it and loud enough to wake his grace asleep yonder at the head of the table at all events manage it for the first fortnight said lord greta following his injunctions and armitage who has already half a mind to play truant will bear you company and return with you by the time the sport flags and birds grow scarce what say you arthur or rather addressing marian what say you that i think it is an excellent scheme answered she blushing at the sound of her own voice but approving any plan tending to remove her husband from greta castle spoken like a wise wife muttered the duke of spalding in an inaudible voice and not half so much asleep as to save himself trouble he chose to appear and i cried the duchess give it my full sanction which no one had asked on condition that mr armitage leaves us his wife in pledge as a hostage for wyndham's return at the appointed time indeed my dear mrs armitage you must delight us with your company during his absence we cannot think of parting with you so soon for it seems these wild geese take wing for the north to-morrow night say yes and make my girls perfectly happy marian was too much embarrassed to say anything when she saw the eyes of the whole party fixed upon her 
but every one answered in her name that oh yes she certainly would could should and must remain at spalding court till the return of mr armytage and marian was too much in the habit of being answered for by others to venture denial even if at that moment she had recollected mrs armytage and holywell she would not have presumed to raise objections by the way what has become of chronos how could we be so forgetful as to sit down to dinner without mr chronos cried the duchess addressing her daughters i suppose no additional cover was laid for leicester and as i did not see a vacant chair i missed no one we must have left him on the island said lady amabel i saw him sitting on the stump of a tree contemplating the beauties of the setting sun added lady honoria he looked quite a picture like some dear delightful old minstrel grey's bard or homer without their beards he will be eaten alive by the water rats said lord leicester calmly when the boatman used to reside on the island he lost a child a year absurd said the duchess angrily lamar addressing the groom of the chambers sait-on ce qui est devenu monsieur chronos monsieur s'est fait servir un poulet au blanc dans son appartement madame la duchesse replied the spruce valet de chambre il m'a fait prévenir qu'il ne descend plus aujourd'hui then he is composing cried lady emily that is his way when the pythonic fit is upon him he shuts himself up door within door padlock upon padlock lest any one should witness his contortions takes green tea and ether and has his room fumigated with godfrey's salts for fear of infection to support exhausted nature to-morrow at breakfast my dear duchess your album will have to boast seven stanzas written by a bore on your island and its fair islanders oh how very delightful cried lady honoria the spalding album wanted only that to be perfect we have got something from every modern poet worth having lord albert lord francis lord c lord d lord e sir william s all the galaxy of the keepsake the smallest possible stanza from mr chronos will be a perfect gem penelope you and your serenade will be immortalised i am sure i sincerely hope not said lady marscourt gravely it would distress the poor girl to death to be immortalised probably to be added to some future edition of mr chronos's works and be stuck up in every library window you would not like to be stuck up should you pen inquired lady amabel of her cousin but the young lady in the coral necklace was not quite young enough to answer such a question i think it very impertinent in people to put persons into their books said lady marscourt crabbedly persons ought certainly to monopolise the right of satirising people said lord greta and with an especial reserve for privilege of peerage but our friend chronos is more than a person quite a personage observed lady emily already the duchess seeing her sister-in-law's colour and collar rising had given the signal for quitting the dining-room and the gentlemen were now left to digest their highland plans without the dread of wives or mothers before their eyes End of volume two chapter eleven please note the print version of this book contains no chapter twelve 
so this recording will move to chapter thirteen